everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are exploring the digital revolution and the remarkable things going on in the world today, both in the business world and our personal lives and those diminishing spaces in between our business and personal lives. Clearly, there's some uh, rough weather forecast ahead, but I think it's interesting to see how many companies are trying to say, I'm going to sail around it. I'm not going to participate in the rough weather and I'm not going to be afraid of it. We're going to power through. And to talk about some of the ways companies are trying to do that, particularly around the areas of supply chain and trying to get sharper with all of that is uh, maybe let's say our favorite monthly digital all-star, Wayne Saden, who's been with us now for almost four years. Wayne, uh, welcome back. It's great to have you. Hey, it's great to be here, especially because I knew you when. It was just you. <laughs> Look at this organization now, Bob. <laughs> Yeah, well, Wayne, you know, we've always valued your work uh, as a CIO, a CDO, a CTO, and now as an advisor to boards and CEOs on how to get this whole digital thing right and how to ensure that it's not a business strategy over here and a digital strategy over here, but it's a complete fusion of the two. So your perspectives have been wonderful. Thank you, Bob. So, Wayne, um, uh, it was interesting. I think just before you chatted, you, you, you're pulling together as you so often do these big ideas. So there's a pretty cool movie out now, but it's sort of a remake of an old one and there's new things going on there. And you've, you've pulled a lot of interesting ideas together here. Um, so, uh, you know, it's usually Tony Uphoff who talks more about what's going on with Hollywood things, but here now you're in the middle of it. So Wayne, how do you pull these different threads together? Well, you know, there's a new Top Gun movie out after 37 years. And so I just saw the original one again, because I'm going to see the new one this week. And so I thought about Mission Impossible supply chain makes a lot of sense, given that an acceleration economy, it's supply chain week, and we've been thinking about it all week. Mm -hmm. So when you think about fighter pilots and what you're going to see in the movie, there's a concept called the OODA loop, O-O-D-A, invented by a guy named Colonel John Boyd, who was training Korean war fighter pilots in how to win what they call high-speed dynamic aerial engagements, dogfights. How do you, in a fast-moving, unpredictable environment, manage your world better? As Tom Cruise said in the movie, if you have to think about it, you're dead. <laughs> well, that's the acceleration economy, especially maybe we're going through the brief deceleration economy. And obviously we have supply chain issues. So it occurred to me uh, last week, we heard about um, Old Navy having inclusive sizing. They were gonna carry a lot more sizes. And they said that was a failure because we had too many sizes. We ran out of the wrong stuff. Well, I'm sorry. That shows you that big data overwhelmed their little planning system. Uh Instead of however many sizes, they have three Uh times as many sizes. Well, just order the right number of everything and you won't run out. But clearly their process wasn't flexible enough. So we learned that about them. And this week we heard the target is cutting way back on orders and slashing prices despite the inflation because they have the wrong mix of products. So that tells you that there's something wrong with how they're managing the supply chain. And it occurred to me, we could talk about this in light of OODA. So. Observe, orient, decide, and act are the four words, and it's a loop. So what that means is you see something, I I observe it, um, I orient. What does that mean that I've seen this? 
I decide what to do based on my what I've oriented on, and then I act. Mm -hmm. And the idea of a loop is I could be halfway through this when one of my competitors does something, and now I've observed and oriented. I'm getting ready to decide, but something changed. So the loop starts again. And the winner in a dogfight is the one who can run the loops the fastest. Yeah. If you can get inside the other person's OODA loop, you win in an engagement. And, you know, retail is uh, a dogfight. Yes. Especially. Yeah. So, so let's look at it from the standpoint of, of supply chain. What do we do by observing? We collect data. We collect data at the point of sale. We collect data at the factory. We collect data in the shipping department. We collect data everywhere. We collect competitor data. Mm -hmm. So first thing is we observe, we collect all the data. Then we orient. That is real-time data analytics. That's machine learning and AI to draw inferences on what we're seeing. Then we can decide. Now, deciding in a supply chain, well, you build a supply chain and it's got all these things in it that you put in place, factories, shipping lanes, and so on. So we have to re-engineer that. And, and to so we can decide to do more things because the supply chain lets us have choices. We want to trade what's called cost arbitrage. Right now we make stuff far away because materials are cheaper and because labor's cheaper, labor arbitrage, material arbitrage. So let's trade that for flexibility by bringing the stuff onshore, nearshore, friendshore and farmshore these are all the shores we've got that are closer to us. By the way, we not only get flexibility, but we get a kind of a geopolitical stability. If we're dealing with people we know and that are close to us, we may not have to deal with wars or political actions taken by unfriendly competitive powers. Also, we hear this all the time. If you're building something, making something in a first world country, you probably have stronger anti-pollution laws sustainability, labor laws. So we're really supporting the doing doing good, even though we're giving up maybe a couple of points of margin. So that's the first thing. Um, then onshore, so we got the onshore, nearshore, friendshore. By the way, friendshore is dealing with company uh, countries that are your friend. Yep. And farmshoring is an interesting one. If you live in a high cost place like San Francisco or New York, send your stuff to Alabama or rural Texas to be made where the labor cost is much lower and where people may be looking for that kind of work. So uh, it was actually a former CIO that coined the term farm shoring about 25 years ago when they were shipping work from California to, I wanna say Alabama, but I may have the state wrong. Um, then we've gotta have multimodal shipping. Right now we put it on a boat and we hope it gets there. It doesn't get stuck in a canal, stuck in offshore in California, Long Beach. So let's build multimodal shipping. Let's build into our system that we can drive a truck from wherever we're making it to somewhere if we had to, or put it on a train, or put it on an airplane like com companies have been doing. But build that into your supply chain so that you have all those options available to you when you have to use them. And then the last thing is let's network our storage and distribution facilities. When we get to this side of the ocean or this side of the supply chain, don't put your stuff in one warehouse because the warehouse may be affected by a regional disaster, a snowstorm in the winter, a hurricane in the summer, a COVID outbreak, a monkeypox, who knows? You've got to spread your material out, but that says you got to be able to find it. It's no good to have stuff in transit and it disappears off of your inventory system, which is what happens in a lot of systems. It's here, 
then it's somewhere, then it's there. Uh -huh. What if I have to divert the truck in the middle because there's a hurricane? I don't want the truck going there anymore. I want it going here. I've got to have real-time visibility. And then I can act in the words of the fighter pilot folks, take the shot. Mm -hmm. If I've observed and oriented and have the tools to decide, then in a supply chain environment, I can act, I can take the shot and I can win the engagement. And that's what companies have to be thinking about in the modern supply chain. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, <clears throat> really like those different points there. And the OODA loop is a, a perfect sort of model uh, around which to view that. Um, I think the other part, and I, I don't want to get us off subject here, but uh, you know, for too long, there's been this great focus on supply chain stuff, which is, as we've all come to understand, incredibly important. But those first couple uh, anecdotes that you pointed out involving retail companies, it their supply chain was probably working fine, given the information it had. The problem was it was the wrong information or it was incomplete information or out of date information. And I think what we really have to get to is a point where, you know, there's been this uh, sort of the lesser known cousin of uh, supply chain, a demand chain. And I think it's time that, um, and I, I think of the companies that I cover on the Cloud Wars top 10, I think SAP is doing the best job of this, uniting the supply chain and the demand chain, right? So that the signals being fed into the OODA loop of the supply chain from the demand chain are more accurate. Because um, I imagine now, Wayne, some companies have probably somewhere between good to pretty good, and some have great supply chain technology, but I bet their demand side is much weaker. So they're not getting that right sort of flow into it. But I guess, Wayne, I'd say that if companies have both of those and they're equally good, then they might be on their A game, which leads me to a little note here from our friends at BMC, our sponsor. If you think of world-class gymnast Simone Biles, you think of someone bringing the A game to her sport, the absolute highest level you can think of. And you can get to that level in business as well. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. It's when automation is effortless and therefore allows people to concentrate on innovation. You can find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So Professor uh, Saden here, um, the supply chain stuff that you've been talking about as well, right? Now, people are getting more serious about that. Supply chain now is becoming inextricably linked to sustainability. Um, you've had some interesting conversations recently, and I know you're from your overall experience and your thoughtfulness about this sort of stuff. Are we looking at the sustainability angle in the right way? Or are we getting sort of caught up in stuff that sounds interesting and important, but maybe isn't getting at the root of the real issue? Well, I think you nailed it there. We've gotta be thinking about sustainability as not a thing in and of itself over here. It's inextricably linked with your whole supply and demand chain. A comment on your supply and demand chain. Supply chain starts with what do I need because somebody's ordering it. I just won the project. Here's the estimate for the construction project. Start buying steel. Um, we just got an order, or we predict that because there's a Super Bowl happening or a parade happening or it's summer, therefore, order management needs to be tied into this. Bob, I was an order management customer at Oracle 30 years ago. They've got terrific technology. 
Uh, Microsoft has it. Of course, SAP has it. They all have demand management tools, project management, project estimation in the process industry, um, manufacturing, order management, configuration management. You know, if I order this, that means we're going to need four of these, three of these, and six of those. So we explode an, a, an order line into the supplies. You're right, though. A lot of companies put the salespeople over here and they put the rest of the stuff over there and they have a spreadsheet linking them mm -hmm. or a monthly sales meeting. So monthly. to your point, it is vital that we, for both sustainability, and I'll talk about that coming up. I actually have it in the sustainability notes, but it's relevant to supply chain. If you don't know what you need, who cares how good you are at making it? Yeah. Uh, that's the the, the um, Old Navy problem, right? If they don't know what people are buying, if everybody's buying size 2X clothes and they're making size eight and they run out of 2X and have too many eight, I'm sorry, that was a problem in manufacturing? <laughs> no, they weren't reading the tea leaves. They weren't checking the cash register data, which is their order data. They weren't forecasting. I think somebody probably knows how many women by percentage are each size in the United States. Somebody probably studies that. Why don't they have that in the system so that they can start with that as a baseline? Yeah. So when I read the I read the news articles and I was like, these people have a data problem. Yeah. And the data problem, Bob, is what you just highlighted. They're not tying what people are wanting to what they're making and shipping and inventory. Yeah. And it ties into sustainability the same way. Yeah. So the vendors in sustainability, I've heard three things from sustainability vendors, cloud vendors that now are in the sustainability business. One, we need a carbon accounting tool. And we're going to be really good at tracking scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions and give you a report so you can show the world how you are doing. That's number one. Number two, we, our cloud company, are going to be carbon neutral. We're going to plant trees. We're going to do this. We're going to do all sorts of cool stuff. And number three, we're going to show your IT department how to be more efficient and be carbon neutral. And by the way, probably by moving into our cloud data centers, which are carbon neutral, and getting rid of all those ugly, dirty, high energy use things in your own data center. Well, they're missing something. So well, let me analyze that for a minute now. So number one, knowing where you are, uh, the vendors say it's accounting. Yeah, it is. I've been working around accounting people for decades. So when I account for stuff, I got my books and I got to be able to audit them and we got to show the numbers are right. But number one, when it comes to carbon accounting, there are no international standards that anybody's aware of. We're, we're making this up as we go. Good, we're developing. But the more important thing is scope three, the, which I was reading one of the cloud vendors said 78% of their carbon is scope three. That's the stuff the suppliers to them get from their suppliers. So 78% of the carbon is two levels away from that company. Now, in accounting, I normally don't have to audit the books of the people selling the paper to the paper cup company that delivers the food in my cafeteria. So we're going to need an industry-wide, a national, an international clearinghouse for carbon data. It doesn't exist yet. We got to build it. I agree. But to say, here's a piece of software, you can know this now, kind of says the tip of the iceberg. The nine, the eight ninths of it are underwater called, where is the data from people you don't even know? Yeah. 
So that's number one. Number two, it's great that, you know, Microsoft or Salesforce or SAP is going to be carbon neutral. They, they let their employees work from home. Great. They build data centers and sink them under the ocean, whatever. But they are not big energy users on a per capita basis. A programmer does not consume a lot of carbon coding compared to a steel mill or a trucking company or what have you. And so the idea that the IT department is going to be carbon neutral, my IT department is somewhere between 0.8 and 5% of the company's spend. So we're going to make that carbon neutral. What about the other 98%? Yeah. yeah. And, and so here we are, we're worried about recession. So we want to save money. We want to spend thoughtfully. We're worried about sustainability. We want to invest in the right things so that we're protecting the planet. Let's focus on the real problem. If we can get the orders tied to the manufacturing, we can make the right stuff and not have so much scrap. We won't be throwing away as many uneaten meals or unprocessed food. We, weren't, we won't be throwing away as many clothes that nobody wants because we missed the Christmas season and nobody wants Christmas decorations. Um, well, let's optimize the manufacturing. You know, we have IT over here and we have OT over here. Let's tie that together. When I'm making in my factory, especially an energy intensive product, if I can optimize the upper and lower control limits, temperature, pressure, speed, whatever, I can make a more consistent product. Guess what? Less waste, less energy, happier customers, higher productivity, so I can fix some of the shortages. So we've got to be connecting IT and OT so that when an order changes over here, the machines in the factory know that we should change over from making blue toilet paper to pink toilet paper quicker so we don't have a pileup of something that no longer is what people want to buy. And so now I will say this, I'm telling you, we need to hook your IT to your OT. But CEOs, listen to me carefully. When your IT systems mess up because somebody's hacked them or they fail, the paychecks come out wrong. Okay, that's bad. When your factory messes up because somebody hacked them, stuff blows up and people get hurt. Mm -hmm. So do not neglect the cybersecurity implications of what you're doing. Um, and also going back to supply chain, Let's get people, let's get deliveries optimized. How many times, there are days when I get three UPS trucks coming to my house, my home office, three UPS trucks, two Amazon deliveries. Why isn't there a way to consolidate that so I get fewer deliveries? That's really saving real gas. That's just not accounting for how efficient my trucks are. If all the trucks got 10% better mileage, that's great. What if we could drive 10% fewer miles? Wouldn't that be better? because I'd be putting less wear and tear on the roads and less wear and tear on the trucks and less wear and tear on the people. Let's optimize the supply chain. So manufacture order management, delivery routing. And the last thing I'll say about that, let the employees work from home. Let the employees work from local their locality. Let's stop these wasteful commutes into center cities and let's stop heating and cooling million square foot skyscrapers. Let's let people work at home where they are anyway, and we'll cut that energy use out of the energy budget. So that's what I think companies ought to be focused on is not so much making their IT carbon neutral or planting trees to offset. 
but let's optimize our process. Bob, then what happens is the CFO is happy because you save money. The chief customer officer is happy because you get more of the right products in the customer's hand with tighter specs. And your chief sustainability officer, your CSO with the new terminology, your CEO, your board are happy because you can do good by doing well. Better margins, better products, happier customers, lower emission. It's a win, 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 win. And while the cloud companies have great tools, let's apply them where they do the most good instead of where it's most obvious. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, I love that. And it, it's a great, uh, great overall perspective on it. I think there's, in some ways, this, this whole intense focus on carbon. And I get why some people are on that. And there's certainly some things we can do better there. But I think you touched on a lot of the things that are bigger than that. What about waste, right? You know, of food, of materials, of stuff that was made because we didn't know somebody wanted. What happens to that? This gets dumped in a landfill too often. So I'd like to see a tighter linkage in some ways between sustainability and some circular economy stuff. Because the to me, the discussion of carbon inevitably gets to the idea or the debate about climate change right you know some people say it's very real some people say it isn't men you know human beings have an effect on it some say it don't i think you get into a political discussion there a divisive thing that where i think people plug their ears up they're not going to listen but i can't think of an executive on earth whatever his or her political outlook might be that says, no, I want to have more waste. Uh, I don't care if we overspend on stuff that nobody, that's just absurd. So I think the real, you know, you're saying, let's get a better focus on where the sustainability effort is, how we talk about it, how we describe the impact of it, what the data is that has to be fed into it, what are the business outcomes we want to see from that. And I would like to see a, a, a step away a little bit from this uh, fixation on carbon. That's a piece of it. But to the larger issue of less waste uh, in everything you do, if Dairy Queen can uh, make more of the flavors that people want in the summertime and less of the stuff, they don't, they're going to make more money. They'll be able to hire more people. They'll be able to delight and dazzle more of their customers. That's, that's I think, the universal outcome. But, Wayne, I think you've given a great set of perspectives here for people to, to look at on this. And I guess it's, Wayne, in some ways, Somebody said, well, these are fundamental tools. You know, you have to understand supply chain is supply chain, and that's over there. But this is a very different whirlwind. It's been coming for the last several years. And we, as we all know, the last two years have accelerated this. And some of our language and our thinking and our perceptions of how business operates, they're just, they're all blown up. There weren't any chief sustainability officers a few years ago. This is new. So I'm with you, Wayne. I think let's rethink it real hard get it the bigger start at what do we want the optimal outcomes to be and go backwards instead of trying to start in a million different places that don't allow us to get that broad view that that you have talked about um right the OODA loop isn't going to work if somebody's uh ability to observe and orient is you know single dimensional right that's they're not going to see what's coming they'll just happen to see what randomly is in front of them and that's uh that's not a good way to go. Yeah, the good thing is, I will say this, before I ever got into IT, I spent my first 10 years as an engineer. I was a manufacturing engineer for a company that made plastic and paper products. Mm -hmm. 
uh, food packaging. And so I spent a lot of time with demand planning and how do we orient, organize the machines to make the stuff we were making. A lot of it was seasonal goods. So we make it eight months of the year and ship it two months of the year. Uh, a lot of complexity went into that. And while we didn't call any of this a chief sustainability officer, let me tell you, if I wasted any money in manufacturing engineering, the CEO came into my office and jumped up and down. Yeah. And he was the chief sustainability officer. And you know what? If the customers weren't happy, the chief sales officer came into my office and jumped yeah. up and down. <laughs> so companies actually care. And you're right. We don't want to get into a divisive political discussion. But I will say, when I worked with volatile organic compounds, VOCs, how do we not emit them into the air? Yeah. One, because we don't want to breathe them. But two, we pay a lot of money for this stuff. If we can capture it, sequester it, and reuse it or resell it as a waste product, yeah. we're, at, we're ahead. So it's the circular economy. And you know, the interesting thing is I thought about the carbon. I thought you know, VOCs, how, oh yeah, wait, an organic compound has carbon in it. Mm -hmm. So I guess the carbon becomes like the gold standard. If I'm throwing away ice cream, eventually the bacteria break it down into carbon. So I guess we can, you know, use something so we're not having to figure out an exchange ratio between ice cream and donuts and landfill. I guess uh, it probably makes sense to some people that can educate me. But whatever our, our measure is, let's be as efficient as possible in making the right stuff at the right time with the right process. Um, and then be able to adjust it quicker. We talk about the acceleration economy and you believe it and I believe it. We got to get everybody to believe it. We're moving faster. And this OODA loop, the circular economy, the acceleration economy, it all ties together. It's, it's kind of beautiful when you think about it. it if we can get better at doing all this stuff, the end result is we will actually be more efficient at using the resources of the world. Yeah. And then we don't have to plant as many trees to equal the damage we're doing potentially or really. Um, and so I love the notion and I love what the cloud companies are doing. I just hope they would sell it with the right approach and that companies would buy it with the right approach. Yeah. Not just produce a report that shows how cool we are and not just offset because eventually we run out of trees. I mean, there's, you know, you buy, you're buying an offset from somebody else. Um, that says I'm still doing bad, but you're going to make it good by doing better. How about if we all do good and then we don't have to have a carbon trading economy? So I think that we're at the right point, recession worries, supply chain issues, software maturity, and obviously the ESG focus of so many of our investors and so many of our employees. We make customers happy, employees happy, bankers happy, investors happy. Why don't we do this? Absolutely. And Wayne, I think the way the, the best way to do good is to know what's going on. So uh, be smart to do good, uh, I, I think, and to do well, uh, all of those things that, that you've pulled together today. So Wayne, thank you. I got to ask before we go two things. Uh, one, if you have any travel plans for later this month, and two, that is a really excellent t-shirt. Anything that you want to share about the t-shirt? I'll start with the t-shirt. There is a group of mainframers, uh, like some of us work in the mainframe. These are all acronyms. This is the ZOS, the uh -huh. uh, IBM branding. 
And um, I found some t-shirts that talk about the old concepts. So it's my way of testing people's age. <laughs> if they know what these acronyms mean, I know they're my age, even if they don't look it. Um, so yeah, this was all the stuff that I learned IT on. And it's about 50 different acronyms there. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, yeah, no, I got some travel plans. I'm going to get out of Texas. It's going to be 100 degrees here. I'm going to San Francisco. Nice. And I'm going to enjoy the weather and also the company of the acceleration economy and a lot of our readers and listeners. Sounds like a Cloud Wars Expo week, Wayne. Uh, Absolutely. June 28, 29, and 30, a three-day celebration of all the things that Cloud Wars has uh, been talking about for a number of years now and whatever uh, sort of the, <clears throat> the hysteria that's coming up about, you know, bury your head in the sand and you know, the, the world's going off, well, the world can't go off a cliff, but, you know, business is going off cliffs and all. Um, I'm just not believing it. And we've got a lot of ideas that we're going to share with everybody at Cloud Wars Expo, how to get through this, how to do things, as Wayne described, in a more intelligent way, linking up things, seeing that end-to-end -end possibility, less waste, more opportunity, happier customers, employees, investors, so on right down the line. That's, that is what Cloud Wars Expo is going to be about. It's June 28, 29, 30. You can register and find out more information at cloudwarsexpo.com. Wayne, I look forward to seeing you there. And if you have a chance to wear that t-shirt, I think it would be a big hit. I will definitely wear it. I'll annoy all the cloud vendors when I tell them mainframes are still around. Perfect. Well, then we'll get into a hybrid cloud then. We'll jump right on that. Wayne, thanks a lot. It's always a blast talking with you. It's always fun to talk to you as well. And I look forward to seeing you in person. Sounds good. Folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope things are going great for you. Summer's just around the corner. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>